0: Market View on Money FM
1: 89.3. Well, lots to digest today as we begin a holiday shortened week in Asia. We're going to be looking at various things. For one thing, non oil exports cooled again in April in Singapore, registering below forecast growth of 6.4%. But of course, we should note that this was the 17th straight month of growth for Nodex. Electronic nodex rose by 12.8% on year in April, by the way. And given the COVID-19 lockdowns in China, all eyes on that as well. Inflation and the prospect of more rate hikes, which could derail growth in the U.S. Don't forget the effects of the Russia-Ukraine conflict. How much improvement can we really expect? Going to be talking all about these things with Song Seng-Wun, economist at CIMB Private Banking. Hi, Seng-Wun. Thanks for joining us we saw non-oil exports cooling again in april indeed,
0: indeed. yeah
1: registering below forecast growth of 6.4 percent mm. to be exact but you know singh we have to note right that this was the 17th straight exactly. month of growth yeah. for nodex and electronic nodex rose by 12.8 percent mm. on year in april so looking at the trade data as a whole in singapore how would you read the situation
0: I think it's fairly, still fairly decent. I think as you pointed out, it is still the 17th straight month of year on year growth. So we do have a higher base to work against. And I think we are so used to seeing double digit gains that we sometimes forgot that things have to normalize at some point. So I suppose this is where we are starting to see things normalizing. Mid-teens growth may be no longer the norm. Mid-single digit growth I think are more likely as and the longer we move away from the worst of the pandemic. Yes, certainly global growth momentum has slowed. Inevitably, there will, but obviously, there are downside risks, even as we speak. But yeah, I mean, if actually for the, the, the April Nordics, if not for the fact that pharmaceutical exports came in just a tad weaker than projected, mm. it was the lowest absolute dollar value uh, in four months. It could have been much stronger. So we could still be subjected. To volatility, but as long as we still see, I think, year on year growth, uh, even against the kind of risk that we are still witnessing outside of Singapore, I think it's still commendable. So, despite all all the risks out there, supply disruption, people are still buying. Although, I think higher prices may start to impact consumption mm. uh, over the next say, six to nine months uh, or, or beyond. But for now, I think, I uh, mean, single digit growth for Nodex still fairly reasonable and I think it's still quite encouraging to see tech exports still seeing fairly robust as stable demand as well. So, Not too bad, all in
1: all. Yeah, you know, you mentioned inflation, and I know that's on the minds Mm -hmm. of practically everyone, right? So given the COVID-19 lockdowns in Mm. China, given inflation, Mm. given the prospect of more rate Mm. hikes, which of course could derail growth in the US, Mm. as well as the effects of the Russia-Ukraine conflict, how much improvement can we really expect as we move forward? I mean, external demand is likely to remain under pressure, right?
0: Indeed, indeed. Which is very interesting, and I think it's a very valid point. And we are still continuing, basically, to watch whether people are still, you know, consuming goods and services at the same pace, or are they starting to worry about having to pay more for their goods and services? For now, I think people are just happy that they can go out and meet. With thanks to the easing and restriction, mm. we are seeing more visitors in Singapore, except Chinese. We want to, we want the Chinese to come back. But for now, I think the Revenge spending, easing restriction, and very importantly, labour market condition, not just in Singapore, but around the region. I think today we have stats out from Europe, which shows unemployment rate uh, di- dipping further. So labour market conditions very supportive of consumption uh, and wage growth. So for now, we complain about paying more, but we can tahan the price increase. Mm. So I think the moment we cannot tahan, uh, this is where we start to see things slow down. And this could be when we see Nordic decelerating from the mid-single digits to the low-single digits, and perhaps even contraction. And then we talk about uh, a sharper pullback in the economy activities. Well, now I think we are still able to take the higher prices in stride because we are gainfully employed. Uh, we can still essentially, I think, enjoy revenge spending up to some point. Mm. Uh, but there's but a the question. We don't know when things could still cool off, especially if risks continue to stay elevated.
1: Now, Sengwun, let's move to talking about China, where it seems Mm. risk is still elevated. Its economic activity cooled sharply in April Uh as well, adding to fears, of course, that Mm. the economy could shrink in the second quarter. Mm. Data out yesterday actually showed retail sales in April shrank 11.1 percent from a year earlier. This is actually the biggest contraction, right, since March 2020. So how do you see the China story unfolding?
0: Well, hopefully, if the situation, say, in big cities like Beijing and uh, Shanghai comes under control and then measures uh, then eased, we'll see a rebound. You talk about retail sales uh, in April. I think uh, in Shanghai, uh, they, didn't sell, they didn't sell a single car uh, in April just because showrooms were closed, for instance. So, yes, it has a very significant detrimental impact on economic activities, and which is why I suppose the policymakers are over there are watching the situation – I think we are seeing some sign of easing in restriction, we hope. Uh, so hopefully, while we s- certainly see I think economic activities pull back sharply in April, and maybe to some extent uh, up to the middle or, or end of uh, May itself, basically, Q2 may be a write-off, but hopefully second half of the year will be better, supported by also more commodity policy. The rest of the world are seeing tightening in policy, tightening in fiscal policy monetary policy but in china and russia i think on, on that front on the same page we're seeing monetary easing so to what extent there will be more accommodative will be very important in determining the shape of the rebound in the chinese economy in the second half but we know the Q2 will be bad, but hopefully it's just be Q2 for now.
1: Speaking of central banks mm. and tightening monetary policy or easing monetary policy on mm. Friday, all eyes will be on the Chinese central bank mm. on-year and five-year, one-year and five-year loan yeah, prime rate fixings. Mm, that's right, In yeah. your view, what would be the wise move for the PBOC at this point?
0: Oof, I think they can trim rates uh, to be supportive of the the fragile. Rec- well, the tree growth momentum uh, at the moment, they have been quite careful uh, on the rate front because they, they are they have to watch a cu- couple of things. One is whether money are uh, indeed being taken out from China if, if the currency weaken or, or lower rates. And B, to what extent if they were to be too aggressive in easing monetary policy, it reignite uh, and start up leveraging uh, again in especially in the property sector, which they have taken great pains to cool down. Uh, so they have to kind of basically balance how to support the economy without putting the Chinese currency under pressure and also at the same time without sort of re a property bubble which they have taken time uh, to cool down. So a challenging period, but I suppose is since COVID is still all about, it's still that middle and center of everything that they want to do at this point. We'll have to see I I think in the next few months whether their strategy of covid policy is still workable or otherwise they may have to look at page two or uh, scenario two, etc. We don't know. Mm. But for now, China remains a risk but we think policymakers over there will be mindful of the downside risk and then will come through with more measures, more calibrated measures uh, to to essentially stabilize the economy.
1: We're seeing a lot of action in central banks, Mm. right? I mean, the Philippine Central Bank is expected to kick off a tightening cycle this week as well, much earlier than previously thought. Australia's central bank also hinting at further rate increases, with key central banks raising rates to curb inflation. Mm. We must also remember that there is increasing chatter about the risk of a U.S. recession as the Fed raises rates as well. So where do you stand on what some are saying is an inevitable U.S. recession, which of course could result? to the global recession.
0: Yes, that's uh, every other day we worry about whether the Mm. US being very late in normalising policy may get too carried away, tightening too fast, too early. For now, I suppose, as long as labour market condition remains supportive, I think they are on the right track. Basically, I think like all central banks, they'll be watching domestic macro condition whether businesses are still intent on hiring, expanding their labour force, whether businesses are still experiencing You know, difficulty in hiring and having to pay more. If that remains, then I would say I think central bank will continue to just tighten, not just in in, uh, the U.S., but the rest of the world uh, as well. And even here in Asia, who has been quite late, for Asian central bank, it's a case of not being left too far behind the U.S. in terms of policy differential. As we see with Japan, uh, the Japanese yen have been very weak. We all wish we can go to Japan right now with the yen as it is, but we We cannot. So it's about interest rate differential. You know, the central bank in Malaysia tightened also to partly to also protect the ringgit from the, the the full force of a very strong U.S. dollars. So similarly, everybody else. So from the U.S. standpoint, it will still be, I would say, meeting to meeting that they will look at the data on hand to see whether consumers are still taking the higher prices in stride. They are getting paid with better wages and salaries, and whether they are spending on and certainly whether inflation and inflation expectation continue to rise. If we continue to, then they may have to be more aggressive. I would say even if they were to over-tighten, any downturn will probably be very brief in that the US Central Bank probably can take a breather mm. or roll back some of the measures to give the economy a bit of a breathing space as well. So I'm not too worried about any sort of a recession for now. I'm more worried about, speculation at this point mm. before recession come in but we will still be talking about that risk i think over the next six months i think the next six months we are unlikely to see a downturn but as we head into 2023 and beyond maybe there's a higher risk if consumer you and i start to roll back our consumption of goods and services after we have done our holiday after we have done our mm. revenge spending, <laughs> then we realize oh real wages has actually declined because inflation has continued to outstrip my wage pay, for instance. So all these things may come into consideration later part of this year rather than today because I think for now, labor market conditions remains extremely supportive of consumption.
1: Right. So it really remains to be seen. But I'm glad you are optimistic. Mm. But there are others who are being quite pessimistic. JP mm. Morgan is saying that US and European stock markets are in fact overpricing the risk of a recession. Mm. Overpricing re- recession risk. Is this good or bad? What approach should we be taking?
0: <laughs> well, I suppose it's yeah, I think I, I can see where they're coming from and that people are too bearish that You know, a a sharp pullback is just around the corner. Unless businesses are unable to pass on the higher cost to you and I, and you and I are unable to absorb the higher cost, then I think we are the turning point. At this point, I don't think we are anywhere near that. So I think, yes, people are, I think, uh, uh, talking up recession risk unnecessary, although mm. uh, it is useful to highlight that risk. But I think at this point, that risk is growing, but it's still relatively relatively low, I would say.
1: The thing is, you mentioned businesses passing on higher costs. We know that a lot of businesses are struggling with that. Prices are increasing, business costs are going up, but some of them still hesitant to pass on the costs, even yeah. though they know they must eventually do so. Yeah. How would you advise them to deal with all of this at this point?
0: bullets. I mean, they have to put food on the table for their own family as well. If your UTL cannot shrink, mm. you have to pass on a higher cost. Huh? I mean, cooking oil has uh, has doubled. Uh, wheat has cost more, and doesn't help that India ban next for the week this week or last week. So it adds, week. adds on, yeah, adds on to cost. So India banning wheat might be temporary, but all the other costs involved in packaging, distributing, selling, etc., has all gone up. So for businesses. I think if they're worried about losing customers, just remember that everybody has and will be facing the same problem. So it's really about looking after yourself that becomes more important. And your customer will inevitably understand because they themselves can see that they are also uh, seeing price increases for their daily goods and, and services that they consume. So I think people will be fairly
1: understandable. One last thing, Sing Won. U.S. President Joe Biden is heading to North Asia for a four-day trip to South Korea and Japan. He's attending this summit with Japan, India and Australia. Reports say he's expected to engage them on the Indo-Pacific strategy. And he also has China and Russia on his mind. What productive results do you think he should be gunning for during this trip? I mean, results that would be achievable and have a positive impact.
0: Well, I, I suppose it is really about the US and the Western uh, government really trying to come to grips with a rising Asia and rising China in particular, uh, that they are looking to seek, uh, I suppose, control over the, I suppose, their own destiny in that sense. My worry on that side uh, is that it does increase geopolitical risk if, you know, rising superpower continue to be engaged not so much in peace and harmony talk but in terms of competition on various fronts, uh, whether it's geopolitical or businesses or you know or, or otherwise. So it basically means that for small economies like us, will be caught in the middle. So that's one of the risks that obviously will continue to play at and continue to create uh, I suppose headache for businesses and to some extent also consumer because it does potentially create supply disruptions as well as intense competition, which may not necessarily mean lower prices, but also essentially cause price to stay elevated if there are going to be constant pressure on the geopolitical front.
1: Thanks very much for that, Sing Song Sing economist at Cimb Private Banking. Thank you so much for joining us today. Stay safe and take care, Sing
0: Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more
1: great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.